geez, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to snap. I'm just, just a little sleepy. This is huh, the fourth episode of the Narrow Century uh, podcast of Irregular Tales. I'm your, uh, I'm Gordon Graham, the host. Sure, sure, I've got a story. Just let me grab some coffee and uh, blink myself awake a little. You having trouble sleeping too? Uh, well, maybe a story can help. We'll see. Okay, okay. Just settle back and I'll see what I can do. I've got just the thing. Shiver is dedicated to bringing consumers the finest and latest in cryogenic services, whether for personal use or out of medical necessity. We pride ourselves on attention to detail and scientific precision in every area of customer service. Our current generation of cryogenic capsules and storage containers boasts a 100% success rate, so you can rest assured that your future is in good hands. The Boreas line features the latest generation of meg-insulate technology, capable of maintaining sustainable temperatures for up to three centuries. Fully automated autumn-slash-spring procedures. When the desired time has elapsed, Boreas pods thaw out their contents safely and painlessly. Unparalleled durability, ensuring that you can sleep without fear no matter what happens outside. Integration with social media. Ellen Kaplan paused and squinted at the brochure. Sure enough, she'd read right. She shook her head as she turned the informational pamphlet over in her hands, taking in the cartoon icicle motif and pictures of smiling septuagenarians dozing on silk padding under glass. Ellen had come to the shiver offices looking to weigh her options, but the promotional material wasn't really doing it for her. She let out a breath, tossed the brochure back onto the glass coffee table, and cast another look around the waiting area. It all looked very expensive and high-tech, glass and brushed steel and skylights casting a late November glow over the leather chairs and display cases. Most of the Shiver cryo-catalog was here for prospective customers to admire, from shining chrome lozenges to burnished and bolted steel sarcophagi. Despite the pictures in the brochure, Ella noticed that none of them seemed to have windows. A set of glass double doors at the far end of the waiting area opened with a hiss, and Ellen watched a man and a woman, a couple almost certainly, cross the black marble floor in squeaking shoes while they chatted about payment plans and end dates. Even after they had gone and the front doors had fallen shut, Ellen found herself staring after the way they had gone. They seemed sure. They seemed excited. Worried, asked a female voice from a few feet to her left. Ellen started a little and turned to see a smiling middle-aged woman. Her eyes had a sunken, tired quality, and her hair was a dry and early gray. She nodded and continued, Yes, I thought so. I was also when I first came. It's just an information session, said Ellen. Just seeing what my options are. I understand, said the woman. I haven't decided anything yet, said Ellen. Of course. The older woman paused a moment. My name's Carla. You're not worried? asked Ellen. Any more, I mean. Carla bit her lip a moment before she replied. 
Well, if I have to be perfectly honest, the idea still isn't completely appealing. I've been talking to Dr. Waits, a lovely man. He's been nothing but helpful. But I don't... She nodded at the display cases. I still don't like the looks of those things. Ellen was silent. Though, Carla continued, I don't have much of a choice. She gestured the pink ribbon pinned to her lapel. Oh, I'm sorry, Ellen said. It's fine. There are other advantages. Are those what you're here for? Carla asked. Um, uh, Ellen paused. I just... Carla furrowed her brow. Never mind, then. It's your business, I suppose. You haven't decided anything. Ellen sat there in silence with her hands pressed tight between her knees. She listened carefully to the echoing silence of the lobby, filled with a sense of dread and loathing she couldn't or didn't want to categorize. Carla spoke up. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to be snippy. Ellen shrugged. It's fine, she said. I mean, Carla went on gingerly, I don't mean to pry, but are you sick? Sorry, Ellen said abruptly, standing. I, uh, I think I saw the receptionist wave at me. Oh, said Carla as Ellen walked away. That's fine. It was nice talking to you. The receptionist looked up in surprise as Ellen approached. Carla Chesterfield, he asked. Um, no, that's, uh, Ellen pivoted and motioned with half a gesture back to Carla. That's her. Miss Chesterfield, he called. Dr. Waits will see you now, just through the double doors. Carla nodded, smiling as she gathered up her coat and moved quickly to the other side of the lobby. She gave a curt wave to Ellen before vanishing through the doors. The receptionist turned back to Ellen and said, I'm sure they'll be ready for you shortly. Sure. Thanks, said Ellen. She was staring intently at the basket of branded pens on the stone countertop, next to a paperweight cast in the shape of an iceberg. So, he said, is this your first time here? Excuse me, Ellen said, and quickly walked away from the desk toward the front doors. I'm sorry, the receptionist called after her. Miss, is something... He was cut off as the door fell shut. She turned a sharp right, out of sight of the crystal lobby, doing her best to ignore the late autumn chill. She made it ten steps before stopping to lean against the white concrete side of the building. She heaved a breath, letting the cold take a deep bite out of her lungs. She let it roll around in her chest, and she imagined a cloud of mist congealing and dissolving like a genie in a blue glass bottle. Ellen released the breath, and the genie came pouring out of her mouth in a white plume that vanished between her and the parking lot. God damn it, Ellen muttered. It's just an information session. Nothing's decided. Nothing's decided. She slid her back down the side of the building and dropped into a sitting position on the sidewalk. What did she really want out of this? How much was she actually considering it? How badly did she want to leave? She picked at her fingernails without looking at them. Her phone chimed and she fumbled it out of her jacket pocket. Dad. Ellen bit her lip and then decided to ignore him. She didn't need more of her parents. Not right then. Instead, she opened up her emails and mindlessly thumbed through them, 
meaningful suggestions from work for more unpaid overtime, the bank about her student loans, an endless stack of online petitions asking for involvement in the oil crisis, the rising oceans, the algae blooms down in the Caribbean. And from her parents, always more from them. Snipped thoughts and comments and half-letters with a detachment of text instead of phone calls. For their comfort or for hers, Ellen didn't really know. She read maybe a third of them, which still felt like too many. She paused a couple of pages into her inbox. She knew what she had really opened her phone to see. Ellen opened the tab for emails marked important and huddled up into a ball, in part to keep out the cold, in part to protect from prying eyes that weren't there anyway. At the top of the list was an email from Jonah Kaplan, dated a year and a half ago. No text, just a video attachment. She tapped it. Crappy webcam footage. Jonah was sitting at his desk. His hair was combed, and he was in a threadbare second-hand suit that nevertheless still looked too formal on him. Uh, hi. He'd been 22. Ellen, Mom, Dad, it's me. He swallowed and rocked a bit in the chair. Behind him, all the posters were down from the walls, and the bookshelf by the door was empty. You've, uh... You've probably already gathered that something's up with me. I've been really cagey and distant lately, and I'm sorry. I'm really sorry. But, uh, it's time you know that I, uh, I called Shiver. The cryogenics place. Ellen gave a grimace that might be called a distant cousin of smiling. By the time you're seeing this, I'll already be frozen— I'm going to set this up to email on a timer. I know you're going to be mad or you'll want to know why. He looked away from the camera. The why is... Well, I think... He twisted around on the chair to look at the room. I mean, why not? Honestly? He choked out a laugh. I've been living with you, Mom, Dad, too long. I can't go back to school, not with stuff, with Ellen's degree and your loans and... I mean, you know, I can't keep working in that place. I just can't. He leaned forward so that his face filled the screen. From this distance, Ellen could see that his forehead was beaded with sweat. That's not my life, you know? So I've been saving up, and I've finally got enough to get a ticket to the future. Can't wait to see what it's like. For a moment, his expression started to break. He pulled away, hiding his face behind a hand. For several seconds, he was silent. The world just sucks right now, he said at length. You guys know that. And it really sucks for us, people trying to make our own, you know, place in it. It can't stay this way forever, though. He removed his hand, and Ellen could see how red his eyes had gone. A resolved expression crossed his face. This isn't your fault, guys. Ellie? Mom? Dad? It's not your fault. This is my choice. I've had my mind made up for a while now. Jonah gave a weak smile, and a noise crawled unbidden out of Ellen's chest. So, uh, he continued, I guess I'll see you, maybe, in 2070. A lot of people are going there. Fifty years is a good number. 
I think it should be enough time for the world to get its crap together. He shrugged. I guess I'll find out, right? Jonah blinked and looked around as if awaking from a daze. Well, uh, I guess that's everything. I love you guys, he paused. I really do. The video stopped on the last frame. Jonah was caught there, reaching towards the keyboard under the camera, his expression neutral. He had been wrong. Ellen and her parents hadn't particularly noticed that anything was weird with him. Her phone chimed again and she crammed it back into her jacket pocket. Ellen's eyes drifted upward to the sky. It was a brilliant, icy blue, cast against the shadowed wall. There wasn't a single cloud to keep the cold of that sky from the ground. Ellen took another breath. It would be winter soon, if it wasn't winter already. The door let out a hiss as Ellen pushed it open, and the receptionist looked up from where he was dialing the phone. He smiled as she came in. Miss Kaplan? She nodded. Right. I was a little worried. I was just about to call you to say that you were in danger of missing your appointment. Ellen shrugged. I just... I just needed some fresh air. That's all. Right, right, of course, the receptionist said. Well, if you're feeling well, Dr. McGovern is ready to talk to you. Ellen wavered in the doorway, unspeaking, unmoving. Miss Kaplan, he asked, are you all right? You're free to reschedule. No, she said. I'm fine. Where is she? She should be right through those doors. She'll lead you to the salon where you can talk comfortably. Ellen crossed the room quickly and seized the handle. She paused for just a moment. Then, before giving herself time to second-guess herself, she pulled the door open, swept through, and was gone. Sleep long, sleep hard The Narrow Century, Episode 4, The Long Winter, was written and performed by Gordon Graham. Music was provided with permission by Petunia and the Vipers and Small Million. For written material and further episodes, visit narrowcentury.com. Still
Me 